manipulated into the word. We ask it to be deposited into our spirit so that we may walk this out. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Now, there is a lot going on, both near and far, right? Good and bad that's going on in this world. We are truly, as it's been said many, many times, Truly living in the last days and going through perilous time. And so when I got up this morning, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit directed me where we are going today. Because as a believer, we need to recognize that we are authorized to call on the name of the Lord. We have been, as believers, we have been authorized to call on the name is ours. Yes, yes. We have been given delegated authority to use the name of the Lord. Amen. We're authorized to use yes. We're authorized. Now the various names of God reveal his divine character which should fill you with awe because each expression of himself through his name speaks to you in whatever state you find yourself in. Huh? Huh? Each expression of himself through his name speaks to you, speaks to us in whatever state we are in. And we have delegated authority to use that name. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So when we call on him, he can show us things we don't know. Amen. <laughs> so instead of getting your information from TV or internet or Instagram or anywhere else, Call on the name of the Lord and he will show you the things that you do not know. He in, fact will, he in fact will unveil mysteries to you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The New Living Translation says like this, ask me and I will tell you remarkable things to come. <laughs> One of the best things, as I said before, as a believer that we have is the authority to call on his name. So let's go to Proverbs 18 and 10. That's where we'll start. Proverbs 18 and 10. Now, the book of Proverbs, um, Solomon is created with writing most of this book, with Agur and Lemuel contributing some of, of the later sections. Now, the purpose of Proverbs is to teach us how to attain wisdom, discipline, and to be judicious in practical affairs and how to do what is right, just, and fair. In short, to apply divine wisdom in our normal Christian lives, in our daily walk. Now, life is full of choices. We choose every day. All the time, life is full of those choices. We have all made some good ones and some bad ones, right? We've all made some wise ones and some foolish ones. 
Just think back. <laughs> Some of us don't have to go back very far. But I'm going to leave that alone. Amen. Amen. Your life is the sum total of the choices you have made. See, one thing about God is he loves us so much that he allows us to even choose against him. He does not make you do anything. You got free will. When Jesus comes to the door and knocks, it's up to you to open that door to let him in. He is not going to barnstorm, barnstorm your door. He is not going to knock it down with a battering ram. He's going to stand at the door and knock, but it's up to you to make the choice to let him in. Amen. The right choice right now during this season or during the season that you're in or the one you will face is to call upon his name. Why? Verse 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Or another translation says, fortress. The righteous runneth into it and is saved. Verse 11 says, The rich man's wealth is his strong city and has a high wall in his own conceit. You see the difference between the righteous and what they run into and what a rich man will run into? Amen. Now, the expression the name of the Lord is only found here in the book of Proverbs. What does it stand for? It stands for the manifest perfections of God. And one of those perfections is love. Another one is faithfulness. Another one is power. Another one is mercy. Another one is wisdom on which we as the righteous ones rely for security. Amen? Amen? The name of the Lord not only uh, protects by his strength, but by height. The word safe means to be lifted out of reach. So the name of the Lord is a strong tower. His word, his name is high enough that no enemy can climb over it. And it's strong enough that no enemy can break through its gates. Amen. Amen. Now let's go a little bit deeper. A strong tower is an elevated tower. And one of the uses for the towers in the Old Testament is that they were used for fortresses in times of war. What is a fortress? It's a large fortified place of exceptional security. In other words, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you lift up the banner of the name of the Lord, and that enemy cannot penetrate the fortress of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, those who are in right standing with the Lord, run in and they are what? Saved. Now, those who ran into those towers, they were smart enough to get to those towers and get in to get high enough out of the reach of the enemy. In other words, they made sure they had access to the towers. 
so that they can go into the tower and be saved. Our access as believers is Jesus Christ. And to make sure that you have access to the tower, you have to go through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's important. All right. Let's, let's read verse 11 again. It says, the rich man's wealth is, is, a, is his strong city and has a high wall in his own conceit. Or another word for conceit is a place of safety. That's where they, they put their trust in their money and their wealth. And imagining that their wealth is their strongest defense, rich people are sadly mistaken. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 23 to 24, then Jesus said to the disciple, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So what am I saying? Don't put your trust in the wealth of this world. And then lift up that wealth as an idol. Because if it becomes an idol, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you this about money because we need it. It's a tool that we use, but it can't provide safety. Why? Because there are too many ways for it to lose its power. The government might stop backing it. Thieves might steal it. And inflation might rob it. <laughs> Amen. And if you're not if you pay any, any attention to anything, the stage is set for one or more of those things to happen. If you look at the world news and you look at the value of a dollar, just in practical terms, when you were a kid, you could go to the store and buy penny candy. And you get a lot for a penny. You try to take that penny to the store right now. <laughs> Not only will the cashier laugh at you, the penny will laugh at you. <laughs> and say, what are you doing? It has lost its value based upon man's perception of it. Because if you really don't understand it, money is something that's made up. <laughs> it's paper. It's coins. Made up stuff. And me people put so much value in the made up stuff that they miss the real God. Hmm? Hmm? One thing about God is he never loses his power. And he is always dependable. Hmm. The question is, where do you look for security and safety? you look at uncertain wealth or to a God who is always faithful? So let's dig into some of the names of God, okay? And some of those compound names. One you may have heard, a couple of them you may not have heard. First one is 
Elmuna. Elmuna. E-L-E-M-U-N-A-H. Elmuna. What does that mean? The faithful God. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. <laughs> the faithful God. El Muna. Not El Mula. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 7. We're going to look at verse 9. Not El Mula. El Muna. Just don't get it twisted. Chapter 7, verse 9. It says this. Know, know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to how many generations? Thousand generations. That means if you love him, and you keep his word, it will go not only stop at you, but it will keep going to a thousand generations. Why? Because God is the faithful God. El Muna. El Muna means you can trust him completely in this life and with your eternal destiny. <laughs> you can trust him now, and you can trust him in eternity. You can trust him now in your mess, and you can trust him in eternity in his presence. Jesus. So even though there is a constant desire in you to want to surrender and give up, how many of you been there? Hmm? You wanted to what? Give up. You wanted to surrender. You wanted to give out. You wanted to give in. You want to throw in the towel. You want it to quit. God will always remind you of his faithfulness and everything he has done for you, what you were before and what you are now, and how through all of it he was there all the time. Just think about it. I said this many times. Think about that thing you thought you couldn't get through then. But yet you sit here now. Amen. That hard thing that you thought that wasn't no way that you could ever get through it because that wall was just too high. That problem ran just a little too deep. And you never thought you could get your way out of it. But look at you now. You might be going through a storm now, but God brought you through that one. He can bring you through this one. Because if you watch the weather pattern, the storm don't last. It just comes to pass. Hallelujah. 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 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 13 in the New King James says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. What does that mean? Even when we feel like we have lost our faith, God is still going to be standing there waiting on you. When you remember how faithful he has been to you, that will redirect your thoughts and you will realize that without him you are nothing and that he is the driving force of your life. Mm. 
If you take the time and think of his faithfulness instead of your situations and your circumstances, you would continue to fight, keep trying, and would not give up so easily. Let me repeat that again. If you take the time and think about his faithfulness instead of your situations and circumstances, you would continue to fight and keep trying and would not give up so easily. Why? Because you've got the God of all heaven and the earth behind you. And the whole host of heaven and the earth with you. And the angels of the Lord protecting you and surrounding you. If you can just think on those things. Instead of the things that you are going through, you would not be so inclined to give up so easily because you know that God is faithful. Hallelujah. The faithfulness of God is true and has been demonstrated many times in the Word and in your life. And one thing about God, He is not a man that He should lie. God does not lie. So if He says it, it's going to be so. No matter if it looks differently than you think. Amen. Amen. The one problem we have is when we pray to God uh, and God allows the thing to show up, we don't recognize it because it comes differently than we think it was going to come. That's why you got to have an ear to hear and your eyes to see. Don't be like the man that got wrecked, shipwrecked, amen, and, 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 and the boats and stuff came by and he kept saying, I'm waiting on God, I'm waiting on God. Missing the fact that this man came by on the boat to pick you up to save you. Amen. Don't be like that. Amen. The one thing about God is every promise God makes, he comes through. For every pact God makes, he maintains. Hallelujah. The thing about this is, Every promise of prophecy has been fulfilled or will be fulfilled. Everything that the Bible said God was going to do, in God's viewpoint, it's already done. The thing is, we have to keep the faith and know that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And if he has promised it, he is able to maintain the promise until it comes to fruition. Hallelujah. See, we usually work from start to finish, but God works from finish to start. <laughs> we work from start to finish, but God works from finish to start. By the time it hits us, God's already gone to the next thing. Because <laughs> whatever it has, he's already finished it. Amen. And we're just starting at the beginning of it. But God's already at the end and beyond. He already sees your tomorrow, even though you haven't got there yet. Bible says that God declares the end from the beginning. He is El Muna, the faithful God. Number two is El Hakabad, which is E L H A K A B O D H. El Hakabad, which means He is the God of glory. He is. Let's go to Psalm 29. Psalm 29. El Hekabah. E-L-H-A-K-A-B-O-D-H. El Hekabah. Psalm 29. He is the 
God of glory. He is the faithful God. He is the God of glory. Psalm 29. And it says this. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Remember we're singing, I give glory to your name. Because it's due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Why? The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. Verse 4 says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. Talking about those trees that's so tough. But he can break them. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. All he got to do is speak one word. The voice of the Lord shaken the wilderness. The Lord shaken the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discover in the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. Amen. Now, when we think of the creation story or the event, you will. We most likely think of the big acts of creation like the stars, the planets, the animals, and man. Rarely do we consider the miraculousness of the small things, the minute things like molecules, atoms, and even gravity, which we take for granted because we always walk in gravity, right? Hmm? And think about all those things, those mighty things, all working perfectly and in order with constancy and consistency. They're all there. Mole molecules and atoms are there, and we don't even know they're there. We're walking in gravity, but we don't recognize or realize or understand or even think about that God spoke all of that stuff into being. He created that. Like gravity's constant pull, there is another reality that works just as powerfully. A force, not of nature, but of supernature, and that is God's glory. It is for this reason the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3 in New King James says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts, or Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. His glory is that is everything that makes God distinct and admirable, and it's present in all his creation. God's glory is present in all of creation. If you think about it, from an eternal or kingdom perspective, everything that God has created speaks of his glory. The trees speak of his glory. They wave in the wind. The seas speak of his glory through those rustling waves. Everything that God has created speaks of his glory. The atoms and the molecules speak, speaks of his glory. Man tries to replicate it, but they can't. Just like blood. Man tries to replicate blood, but it can't. 
Because there's something behind the color. There's something within the minerals that only God has put in there. Amen? Now, the God of heaven has a voice. And a voice that can call galaxies, galaxies into existence and spin electrons around molecules. I didn't even mention electrons. Amen. His voice can be louder than waterfalls and his whispers as soft as rustling leaves in the wind. In other words, God can speak loudly and God can speak softly. Amen. But the bottom line is this, when God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, the supernatural manifestation of his glory shows up. What does supernatural mean? It means being above and beyond what is natural and what is unexplainable by natural law. Hmm? It means being above and beyond our natural. God is a supernatural God. Amen? That, does, that has a supernatural record. He is the same all-powerful God who revealed himself to the children of Israel as Jehovah. He is that same supernatural God who rolled back the Red Sea and rained down manna from heaven and caused a gush from a rock and miraculously delivered people out of Egypt. He is the same supernatural God who wants to have a personal relationship. Think about his glory. It's constant as a heartbeat, but it never ends. His glory never dies. <laughs> Our hearts one day, unless Jesus comes back, is going to stop. And time is going to end for us and we go into eternity. But God is an eternal God with an eternal glory that never stops and is constant. His glory is a fact and it's not something that we can add to or subtract from, but it is something we can give and most importantly, we can reflect His glory. Amen. How do you know that? Genesis 1, 27, 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 27 says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female, He created them. So from the beginning, God's heart to build a dwelling place for himself in the earth is seen in his creation of man and woman. The image of God being burned into the being of man makes all the difference for us. Throughout the creation account, God's image is not placed in anything else. Think about it. Think about it. His image is not placed in anything else. The universe is created, but it's not granted God's image. The earth with all its grandeur is spoken into existence, but doesn't have God's image ingrained upon it. Animal and plant life come into being, but without God's image upon it. Only when God creates people does he grace us with his image. I'm talking about the great, mighty, wonderful, glorious God. He has, he has created us with his image. Think about that. Hmm. 
you're not a believer, you can't say everything is correctly. Even though you're created by him. But when you become a believer, you become an image bearer. And part of being an image bearer is it, the bearer of God is to reveal his glory in the earth. For this reason, as a believer, you don't seek your own glory, but to shine God's glory to the rest of humanity. Jesus said, as believers, we should not hide our life under a bushel. But for too many believers, that is exactly what we do. We want to live our lives in a secret relationship with God. Only trying him out when we are with the like-minded, with like-minded people. Hmm? In case you haven't noticed, I wrote this down, so I want to say it. There are those in the world who will show and tell you exactly who they are. There was a time when you didn't know who the racist racists were. But now they are saying and showing the quiet part out loud. If the world is brave enough to show you who they are, we who bear God's image that's filled with the Holy Spirit should be more brave than them because we got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit with us. Hallelujah. God did not intend for us to hide our light under a bushel. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Our light is God's glory. And it's our calling as image bearers to bear God's glory and to show the world God's glory by establishing his kingdom in the earth. We just learned about the, we're learning about the Holy Spirit in class on Wednesday through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He is El Hakabah, the God of glory. And I got one last one, and you should know this one. He is Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. He is the Lord will provide. Genesis chapter 22. Last scripture. Genesis chapter 22 verses 12 through 14. Genesis chapter 22 12 through 14. And it says verse 12 says, And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the land, neither do thou anything unto him for now I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. And Abraham lifted up or looked up and, and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham took the ram and offered him up for a burnt sacrifice in the stead or in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now this passage, just with a little context around it, is where God tested Abraham by having him take his promised son, Isaac, to Mount Moriah 
and offer him as a burnt offering. This was the same Isaac that was born to Abraham when he was a hundred years old. Abraham, in obedience to the Lord, took his son, gathered wood, and had Isaac carry the wood. Can you imagine that having your son that you've been ready to sacrifice carry the wood that you're going to burn him up with? Now, you know teenagers today. You don't say how old he was. But I can just imagine in my mind. You know teenagers today will ask you, why are you having me clean up? Why are you having me sweep this? Why, 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 why? But he had Isaac carry the wood. Now, it doesn't say that Isaac even complained about it. I, Isaac, the only thing Isaac did, he asked, where is the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Now, can you imagine Abraham? <laughs> this is the promised son that God <laughs> had given him. I'm talking about the one after issue. Not the cultural son, but Isaac, the promised son. Can you imagine the anguish Abraham must have felt? That he had to make his promised son carry this wood so that he can sacrifice him. Can you imagine the questions that he may have had for that? What do you mean? You know, I'm 100 years old, I ain't got nothing left. You know, this is him. Right? <laughs> Amen. But see, they came to the place which God had told him, talking about Abraham, and Abraham built an, altar, or, uh, built an altar and laid the wood in order and tied up Isaac. That's faith, right? Because Abraham said, the Lord is going to provide, right? Well, at the same time, he had to tie up his promised son and get the fire going. So Abraham stretched his hand and took a knife to slay Isaac. And then an angel of the Lord spoke to Abraham what we had just read. And so Abraham, out of that, says Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh literally means the Lord who sees and the Lord who will see to it. He's the Lord that will provide, but he is the Lord who sees and he is the Lord who will see to it. I don't know about you, but this is what I long for when I have a need that is personal or special. I need the God who sees and the God who will provide and the God who will see to it. Amen. God is the one God who sees your need because he is the one who sees. God is the one God who sees your need because he is the one who sees. He is the one who can meet your need in just the right time as he did for Abraham and the one who can meet it fully. Apostle Paul says it this way, but my God shall supply what? All your need. According to what? His riches in glory by who? Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 3 and 12 says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Remember, the righteous run into it and they are safe. And his eyes are over the righteous. God will always provide for those who are here because his eyes and ears are always tuned to your channel. Yeah. Always. 
Don't sleep, don't slumber. He's a God who sees, and he's a God who sees to it, and he's a God who will provide. Now, I don't know what you have gone through or what you have been through. I don't know what you are struggling with. But I do know this, that God is Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. And we have authorization to call on Jehovah Jireh. And his obligation is to provide because he promised to do it based on our love and keeping his commandments to a thousand generations. And as I've said many times, we are the answered prayers to our great, 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 great grandfather now. Hallelujah! Our ancestors we are the answer prayer to our ancestors. Because some of them prayed that we would be okay. Look after my children and my children's children. And then my children's children's children. And because of their obedience, we are reaping the benefits. And now it's up to us, our responsibility, to stand on their shoulders and move it forward and pray for those that's behind, behind us unless the Lord comes back. So we are authorized. To call on that name. El Muna, because he's a faithful God. El Hakabai, he is the God of glory. And Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, because he is the God who sees and the God who sees to it. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. So call on that name. Call on that name. You see what Peter did when he was sick and he just said, oh, Jesus, come save me. Amen. Don't have to be long. Don't have to be drawn up. He is a right now God. Hallelujah. If you don't know him, today is your day to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because the only way to get to that, that strong tower is through Jesus. That's how you become declared that's how you are declared righteous. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you have left him for whatever.